The Dudes of Kung Fu podcast is brought to you by Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine. In celebration of their newly launched WCI newsstand platform, Wing Chun Illustrated is giving listeners of the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast a free one-month all-access subscription. Go to wcinewsstand.com and click the register button in the upper right corner. Use voucher code FREE4U. That's F-R-E-E, the number four, and the letter U, all caps. Don't forget to activate your account by clicking the link in the welcome message. The dudes of Kung Fu love Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine. Dudes of Kung Fu. Please welcome your hosts, Alex Richter and Big Sean Madigan. Cool. All right, everyone. Welcome to a special uh, episode of Dudes of Kung Fu. Uh, unfortunately, Big Sean has been super busy, even though he has to work from home these days. Apparently, his boss has given him twice the amount of work he had from the days he was actually driving into the office. So he's got a super crazy busy schedule, and it's been a little bit uh, challenging to get some regular episodes going on. So I thought I would kind of uh, take the reins on that and interview some of my good friends, some people we have not had on the podcast yet, and, uh, you know, have some cool discussions. So uh, for today's episode, I have my good friend, uh, Vincent Benitez, who's a Jeet Kune Do instructor in Jersey of all places, right? That's right. There you go. There you go. So uh, welcome to the Dudes of Kung Fu, Vincent. How you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Uh, We've actually wanted to have you for a while, but Sean and I are like so busy throughout the week and we record on Fridays and we're like, are we having anyone on? Ah, no, let's just come <laughs> with us and then we go ahead and do it. We're the worst at planning. <laughs> hey, so whatever so, happens, happens, man. Yeah, man. How, how, uh, how you been lately? So you, uh, are you doing what everyone else is doing, doing the online classes thing? Yeah. Um, it's, it's coming along. It's, it's just getting uh, the people in. You right. know, uh, sure, they're always sure. asking questions. It's, it's, it's pretty standard. I'm pretty sure you know how that feels. It's just yeah. when you, when people ask a billion questions and you're like, yes, yes, no, 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 yes, yes. And then it gets to the point like, all right, how much is it? You're like, right. ah. And then, you know, it's, it's all about just talking to people, you know, like, and also it's also about commitment too. Cause sure. if you're just doing this for one day and then you're right. not coming the next, then, I always tell my students or even like potential students, it's like, you have to be committed. I mean, it's not like you're going to learn whatever you need to learn within like two hours or one hour. Exactly. You know, people want to be, you know, they want to fight like Bruce. Sorry about that. And, uh, and when they find out what the, you know, what the training involves, they're like, "Ah, I don't know now. And it's like, well, this is what it is. It's not like Bruce became Bruce Lee. Right. Within like a night, you know what yeah. I mean? So things like that, you know, it kind of turns off people. But if you really actually want to do the training, especially when it comes down to like Jeet Kune Do or Wing Chun. Right. I mean, if you really want to do it, then people are going to find ways to do it. And yeah. with this online training, yeah, they're going to be like, all right, you know, oh, I have an opportunity. I got to do it, you know, no matter what it is. And then right, it's, right, right. that's what, that's what it is. And it's sometimes when, the work is involved. They're like, uh, you know, so, they have to second guess themselves. So, so how long, so you've been teaching now for a little bit now, how many, how, how long have you been teaching? Uh, teaching in my school. In your own school, I should say. It's called what? Fist of Interception Institute, Institute right? Correct. Yeah. Uh, I've been teaching since 2016. So we'll be coming on for our fourth year. Wow. That's amazing. And, um, so obviously anyone who teaches martial arts knows what a huge journey it is. So from the time you started teaching where you're already a qualified instructor Uh from now, what, what, what do you feel you have gained in terms of like your, um, maybe your understanding or whether it's in the art or dealing with people, like what have you learned in these four years since you've been teaching? Oh, you already said it's it's all about understanding. I think there's that quote and I'm, paraphrasing um learning while you're teaching yeah yeah so it's not like i when it comes down to teaching you know there are a couple areas that are are gray and then when you get to the point where like you're actually teaching you're like ah that's right that's 
that's where it is. That's right. That's how this movement goes, or this is how this technique goes, or oh yeah, I'm supposed to put my hand up like this, and like yeah. it, everything comes back to you. The, the training, when it comes down to the training, it's just like things don't get lost in translation. It gets more of you learning, learning, learning more, and then you're compacting right. it in. Yeah. And then by the time that you're actually teaching it, it just comes out like, oh yeah, that's right, that's right. This is this is how it's supposed to go. Yeah, so that, I find like in my own school, like uh, when my assistants, they, they start helping teaching and then they start teach more and more, that tends to be where they make their biggest strides in terms of the understanding because they get asked questions that maybe they didn't think about directly. So then they're forced to kind of come like, like they're forced to exercise their brain, you know, based on what they've learned. And that's where they tend to make the connections. And then they can start to hear themselves saying the same yes. things that I said to them, but suddenly... Yep. They say, and they're like, oh, wait. <laughs> so, so I guess it is just that, right? Cause yeah. That's, it, that's, that's the same thing too. It's like, I'm teaching it and I'm like, and then boom, like my teacher, like Sifu Richard Torres, it, it comes in. So I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, that's right. So it, yeah, it, it, it unfolds as it's, as it's going on. And for almost the four years, it's just like, I'm reteaching myself. Right. Sure. And, sure. and then I'm teaching it uh, to my students and, you know, it's, it's all about simplicity. Like, yeah when it comes down to the point where you're listening or even doing the movement, you're not actually really think about it, thinking about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So when it comes to the point where you're teaching it, it all has to be simplicity. If you're not doing it in a simplistic manner or movement, then you're just confusing yourself. Right. You know so, I mean? uh, so, so the other day I was on Twitter, because uh, right. I think Twitter is actually how we met originally. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, which is funny. It's one of the only good things that it, Twitter, like if you ever want to see the worst of me and I'm not one of those guys who goes back and forth a lot, but it's like, I think Twitter in general shows the worst side of everyone. Of course. <laughs> like when I'm on it, like I don't talk about as much as martial arts. You right. know, like I, you, you see me, like I tweet like about my school and DC, and DC universe stuff. And I know, I know you and I've been in, wars with each other with dc versus marvel <laughs> but uh hey i understand man some people don't like dc so you know i like marvel but you know that's not my cup of tea but um well when yeah when we when when it gets down to twitter especially like the other day there was a, a person who was getting his information wrong about uh, this is what i wanted to ask you about. Uh, okay so this was it okay yes yeah, so i saw this so like um, so basically, w without like calling out any names or anything like that, right. it was like somebody on uh, somebody on Twitter had asserted that uh, a certain person had uh, been certified by Bruce Lee mm -hmm. or something like that. Now, um, this has always been kind of a uh, a bit of a confusing thing because um, obviously, you know. Uh, Bruce Lee himself, although he did have some certificates and things like that, he didn't always seem like he was like. Uh, really big on kind of adhering to these things all the time. So some people got a certificate and maybe some other people didn't. So right. can you kind of, can you kind of discuss a little bit about like, like let's say who got this, what certificate from Bruce Lee and what did those certificates mean? All right. Like, well, from, from the research that I've, I've gathered. Um, and also I've, again, I like to always, always like to mention my teacher, Richard Torres that, um, the research that we've actually came up with was that everybody has to understand that these certificates that Bruce gave out, they're not teaching certificates. Mm -hmm. All right. He didn't give out, he appointed people to teach, but all the certificates that he gave out, they're more mostly rank, right. Ranking certificate. Mm -hmm. And I believe I was reading that Dan Inosanto was third rank. Um, but he also, uh, Bruce, apparently gave him all three certificates. Uh -huh. So from, I believe the first one that he did, the first certificate was more of a class. And the second one was more of a private teaching. I, I might be getting that wrong, but I know for the Jeet Kune Do, it was more of the people that was at the end towards of his, uh, you would say like his martial arts evolution. Right. Before, obviously before he passed. And there's just like particular people and out of all people that I was actually really surprised was Sterling Silifon. Oh, really? He, he got, got a certificate too? He got a certificate too. Wow. And, and then um, there's also a daytime uh, book that Bruce, obviously, we all know that he wrote in 
a lot. Yeah. And there is some sort certain list that how many people that he saw for teaching. Yeah. And I believe Sterling Slipon is up there. Like Yeah, I, I think I read that maybe in Matthew Polly's book that it was yeah. like him and uh James Coburn actually took like a like numbers wise took like probably more lessons than a lot of like the martial oh, yeah. like the martial arts people which is interesting. yeah it's just at like out of out of the like you want to you know you want to think sternly silicon out of all people you've right. got a jikondo certificate but then you have to realize too these are not teaching certificates they're just certificates ranking right you right. know and then but obviously the highest ranked student out of everybody's taki taki Kamara. yes yes, yes. man that that guy is still kicking ass and taking names man. yeah it's amazing I, I you know i have kind of a weird story or, or not a weird but it's like an unfortunate story i lived uh i lived in seattle for a number of years oh, yeah, that's right. kind of where i began my wing chun journey and and uh, before i started to do kind of more classical wing chun i did uh, a style that descended from james demile and uh, ed hart Right. So uh, it was you know non-classical kung fu, but uh, it wasn't from Jesse Glover, but it was very similar to the stuff that Jesse Glover did. But it was kind of James DeMille and Ed Hart. They had a student, and he kind of put it together and did his own thing. And that was actually my first exposure to Wing Chun in any kind of way. And I knew that Taki Kimura taught, like at um, I think it was a Shoprite, or right? Something like that, in the right? Basement, the basement, yeah, in the, the basement, right? It, right. Uh, which is funny because Shoprite is kind of an East Coast grocery store. <laughs> That's and actually I true. Seattle, so I grew up here in the East Coast, and then I moved to Seattle to go to uh, uh, to go to high school because my my dad got uh, transferred for his work. You're from and, Jersey, though, right? Yeah, I'm originally yeah, I'm from well, actually, uh, I'm originally from Los Angeles, but I grew okay. up in Jersey. Right? Right. <laughs> I'm from all over the place, but I, I really grew up in Jersey, which right. is why I always ironically give people crap for doing for doing things in Jersey because I spent a large part of my life there. But I, I give people crap too when they're in Jersey, <laughs> yeah, right? even the people who live there, right? So um, I, you know, I was doing this non-classical Wing Chun, and I heard that Taki Kimura was still teaching at a shop, right? And I was like, a shop, right? Mm -hmm. I haven't seen a shop, right, since Jersey, because yeah. on the West Coast, you have, like, Safeway, and you have these other yeah. brands, right? Yep. And so, but there was, like, one lone shop, right, on, like, near Capitol Hill in Seattle, and apparently right. he owned it or something like that, and he was, like, in the basement, and he taught there, and, uh, but it, at that time, they didn't have open enrollment. You had to be kind of, like, invited. Invited in. And yep. so I remember, like, I wrote a letter, <laughs> like, so badly wanted to learn from Taki Kimura, right. and uh, I got no response from it. I was like, oh, and I was always so heartbroken after that. I, I believe the same thing happened to Abe Santos. That's one of uh, Taki's students. I think he did write him a letter, and then it took him a while. Yeah. I might be, mis you know, the misinformation about it, but I remember reading about it. Abe also wrote him a letter, but he met him before that and then wrote him a letter. Right. And, so, you, and you've met Taki a few times, I saw, oh, even somewhat, oh yeah. somewhat recently, right? Like, uh, uh, you, uh, you know, like within a year or two, I think. Yeah, uh, I yeah. believe it was like maybe two years ago uh -huh. I met Taki. And um, I believe his uh, students, uh, his son, actually, uh, Andy Kimura, he's yeah. teaching more and Taki's just, you know, sitting down. Sure, sure. Um, but, you know... You know, there's actually a, a time maybe about three or four years ago, they had a John Fung Gung Fu um, seminar in Seattle at the Wing Luke Museum. Yes. And, um, you know, I participated and, you know, we're doing the movement, whatever. And then out of nowhere, Taki gets off his seat and he's like, no, you're doing it wrong. I was like, whoa. It was like, it was so surprising because he's just, you know, he sits down there, you know, very calmly. You know, he's just looking around. He has his arms crossed, you know, and then all of a sudden, boom, like, like. Out of, out of a like a snap he just came no 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 you're doing it wrong and it's like man this guy's like wow he's getting in there and he's like and it, it's just you know it's very surprising you know it's just, i believe Taki's in his 90s yeah, but then you know yeah. this guy you know he's doing what he's doing you know and it's it's pretty good god bless him you know yeah yeah it's really amazing because he was older than bruce too and the thing oh, like, yeah you know when when you look forward in the future and you see like you know he's he's still around in 2020 oh, it's really unbelievable yeah. and i thought i thought it was also quite remarkable too um you know because i'm also like a huge kung fu movie fan so like my my love of bruce lee spans like the wing chun era and his jeet kundo era and then the whole like hong kong film stuff like for me it's like it's all fascinating and right. it's interesting to think that like 
you know, when Bruce Lee did his last film, Enter the Dragon, the, the mm -hmm. villain was Sekin, you know, who played Han. Yeah. And and he was kind of eight. He was already kind of old at that point. And he had to be mostly doubled by Lam Cheng Ying, um, who was in uh, Prodigal Son, many other films that also passed away in the 90s. Right. But who would think that, you know, at that time when Bruce is like the biggest star and he's basically this old man that he grew up watching is he's starring alongside him. And this guy's playing the villain that Bruce Lee would die in 1973 and Sekin would die in 2009. Just really like unbelievable. Yeah, it, it just blows your mind. Like, like Bruce was was really young. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's 30, 32, 32. 32. I was so superstitious when I, because basically since I was eight years old, I've, I've been a huge Bruce Lee fan and I read everything I could. Right. And when I turned 32, like I'm not a superstitious man. Right. right? But I felt, I felt really weird for a couple of things. One, I go, damn. Bruce Lee accomplished a lot more than I did by the time I was 32. Right, right. So there was like a little bit of pressure just going like this. And I, uh, only my very close friends who've known me for a long time know that I went through a long hair phase because it, I, 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 yeah, I, I felt, I first, and I can't, I can't really explain it. Like if I try to verbalize it, it makes no sense. I'm like, okay, Bruce Lee had kind of longer kind of 70s style hair right, right, right. around the time that he died. And I felt that. I had to have as a Wing Chun practitioner, because Bruce Lee was originally a Wing Chun practitioner, I had to have long hair in my 32nd year <laughs> of living, and I had to not die to overcome this like karma. Not that I feel like I'm connected to Bruce Lee in any way, but it was weird. And I just kept growing my hair until the end of my 32nd, I had super long hair. Wow. If, you look, if you look back on my uh, uh, Facebook timeline and you go all the way back to, uh, when was I there? Maybe like 2009 or something like that. Okay. You would see I went through this long hair phase and I didn't really tell anybody, but it was because I had some weird superstition <laughs> about having to outlive Bruce somehow with like somehow with long hair that was going to help me. Right? right. And so after I turned 33, I just shaved, <laughs> I, I cut my hair and I was done. And I didn't really tell people why, but that was, that was like a thing for me because I don't know. That's the same thing too. When like when I turned 32, um, you, the same thing that that you were thinking too. Like, damn, Bruce accomplished so much. What did I do for thirty-two? You yeah. know, like, um, and the only thing that I that actually really got me, you know, right after thirty-two, it's just the training. You know, like the reason why I joined uh, or started to train at Jikendo was, you know, like everybody else, you want to fight like the dude. Right? Yeah, you want to fight like him. Yeah. But then when you get into the art, then you start to understand, like, you know, oh, you know, it's not like the way he fights in the movies. Right. right? There's a lot, a lot of people who feel that whatever he does in the movies is the way that you're going to fight in real sure. life. Sure. And it's, that, that goes for every, every other martial art or all the martial arts, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, there are particular movements and even in his movies that very realistic, but then most of it's all more flashy. Right. Can, um, I don't know if you know, obviously, you know, the, the Green Hornet. I, for me, it's more what it, all his fighting uh, scenes were more practical than all his movies. Right, his, his right. movies fighting, and it's just like you think about it too, and it's like you know, even Bruce, even at, even the time when Bruce in, in the Green Hornet versus Bruce of you know nineteen seventy two, nineteen seventy oh, seventy one, you, you can see the difference. I mean, it's he's in seventy three, he's more faster, he's flowing more, but then. He was practical in right. the Green Hornet, and yeah. which was surprised me, you know. But then, there, you know, and when you see, watch Into the Dragon, just the practical movements, uh, movements that that he actually, you know, did, you know, the chop and you know, hand right. strikes and everything like that. And then, when like from going back to what I was saying is like when I was when I turned thirty-two, and I was like, and I did think the same way. It's like, man, what did I accomplish, you know? And then it always came back to my my training. Right. And, you know, because, like, I started training in 2007. And then my main goal was, number one, not to be a teacher. And actually, that was it. I just wanted to fight and think like the man. Right. You know? So everyone everyone who's into Bruce Lee has kind of a Bruce Lee story, like how they got into Bruce Lee. Oh. Yeah. So what, 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 is your, what is your Bruce Lee story? Okay, so... 
So back, okay, I'm gonna try to keep this short, but um, eh, back in 1985, I was five years old. I didn't see Bruce Lee the first time. I, the, the first time that I saw Bruce Lee was in The Last Dragon. With oh, that's I'm funny. Off. Yeah. Yes. Remember when he's walking or he's watching um, Bruce the Lee? Flat, like like the, the, the film scenes with the music, with Van right. and the, yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the first time I saw Bruce. Wow. And I asked my mom, like, who's that guy? I was like, oh, she told me, oh, that's Bruce Lee. And then, you know, she's like, oh, he's, he's a master of karate, which you know, at the time, you know, she doesn't know, but, yeah, but, she, sure. but she knew who she, he was. Sure. So I was like, like what, what is he watching? You know, what is, you know, Bruce Leroy, what is he watching? It's like, oh, that's Enter the Dragon. It's like, oh, can we watch it? And she's like, I don't know. I was like, I was like why? It's like, it's rated R. I'm like, <laughs> at that time, you know, but she, she's like, you know, okay, we'll rent it. And then, at the, well, at that time, you rent, it's, it was on Betamax. Well, that's how back in the day <laughs> back in the day that's how far i um you know anyway so yeah so she rented it rented the enter the dragon i'm like man this guy man i was like i've never really actually seen someone who can really kick that fast right. i mean when i'm watching the last dragon okay well you know a time off excellent martial artist excellent yeah but when i when you watch enter the dragon and when he at the end when he's kicking everybody right quick Pop, 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 pop. I was like, like, I, this, that's something that I'm like, man, how can I do that? Right. You know what I mean? Like how, how can this human being actually really kick sure. at so many positions and, and so many different areas and still, you know, and still not get beaten. You know, obviously it's the movies, but when, when you're young, you're like, you're amazed. It's like watching Superman for the first time. Like, oh, yeah. but then when you're watching Bruce Lee for the first time at an, a young age, you're like, that's incredible. What, how can I do that? You know, and then after a while, you know, my mom, she, she actually saw how enthusiastic that, you know, I was about watching Bruce. She put me in a karate class with That's me and my awesome. brother. <laughs> well, and then, you know, we, I, when you talk about moving around, I, I used to, uh, I was born in Jersey and then I, uh, we moved to California and we were in a place called Castro Valley. I don't know if you're familiar with that area. And uh, after watching uh, uh, Enter the Dragon, she put me in a karate, me and my brother put in a karate school. But um, unfortunately, we had to move back to Jersey. So in that karate school, all the time that we did like a reverse punch, whatever, I was doing the whoa all the time. And then my <laughs> teacher were like, Who's making that noise? And then, <laughs> so and, you were you were like Kurt McKinney in No Retreat, No Surrender. <laughs> you know what? And you know that's funny too because after I watched Enter the Dragon, I asked my mom what was the uh, what was uh, another Bruce Lee that movie that I could watch. Yeah. And for some odd reason, she rented No Retreat, No Surrender. Right. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I'm like, I'm watching this. I'm like, where's Bruce? And then. And then I, then I, you know, you figured out, you know, the story and you're like, yeah. oh, so this is the ghost of Bruce Lee. Yes. But at that time, you got to remember too, I didn't know Bruce died. Right. I didn't know Bruce died. <laughs> Kids figuring it out. Right. And then, yeah, that's right. That's how I figured out that Bruce died. I'm like, wait a minute. Why is there a ghost of Bruce Lee? Did he die? And then later I found out, of course he died. I was like, right. oh, okay. But that's that's my two, my exposure to Bruce was that's the last funny. dragon. I, I think uh, my my very first exposure to Bruce was Enter the Dragon. I was uh, sick home from school. I had already started doing karate after seeing the Karate Kid, right. and uh, my dad rented Enter the Dragon for me, and uh, I remember watching that and just like I, I was totally sick with the flu and just going like. I I need this power. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need to be this guy. It was Absolutely. amazing. Yeah. I was like, you look at him, I'm like, damn, how can this guy do this? And you're like, and you're thinking about it, like, if he can do it, how can I do this? Right. Teach me. Someone teach me how to do it. Yeah, this. and then shortly after that, because it was the 80s, we're, we're somewhat similar in age. 
then you know then i also saw the last dragon and the funny thing is i watched the last dragon so many times but i think i always got most excited about seeing the bruce lee clips (laughs) like yeah when when showing up walks in and then yeah easily kicking people exactly right and then like you know the dude's turning his head just like bruce and and then like the other scene there and and apparently that was actually one of the most expensive parts of the budget of The Last right. Dragon was getting the licensing to show those Bruce Lee movies. Hey, I mean, I think at that time it was just easy, but now it's just... Yeah, but they had to get the licensing from Raymond Chow for the Chinese stuff, and they had to get the licensing from Warner Brothers uh-huh. for The Dragon. So they, they wasn't even a one-stop shop as far as that goes. And then No Retreat, No Surrender, I remember like immediately going like this ghost of bruce lee guy it just doesn't really look like bruce lee and then only to later to find out that that is that was one of the actors that was the stand-in for bruce right. lee game of death that was the yep. late kim tai chung who was a korean actor of all of all yeah. things yeah. and so couldn't even speak chinese and i remember like listening to like the things he said like call me lee thy gut and i'm like what what we, is we, this my, me and my brother were like when when the guy uh, when he said Lidaga, I'm like, what yeah. does Lidaga mean? And yeah. I thought for a while that meant like master because you have to also understand. After I watched No Chino Surrender, I didn't and did karate. And after we moved back, I didn't do karate or any type of martial arts when, right. when I moved back to Jersey. So there was like a big gap right. that I was I was in. So you know, you already know I you know I was into like you know hip hop music you know i was writing songs and stuff like that and then you know it obviously didn't pan out but then um i actually started martial arts uh doing um uh, long fist kung fu that's right yeah and um and also at that time too like i thought martial arts was the same all of them i didn't know you know i didn't know there was like a japanese martial arts chinese kung fu taekwondo i didn't really i didn't actually and at that time there was no internet as as it, it is as now the pre-internet days. Pre-internet days, correct. Like Yahoo, that was it. Right. That, was, that was the only thing. And then, you know, I got into the long fist. It was okay, the forms. But then, you know, in my back of my mind, like, when are we going to start to apply these things? Right. You know what I mean? Right. So, I mean, if you want to talk about you know, introduction to Bruce, you know, like, like I started like really paying attention to what this teacher was talking about when we in that long fist uh, school, and it. The forms, you know, if forms are, I'm not disrespecting any type of forms, you know, it, they're good. Um, for me, it's just, it wasn't for me. You know, I was more into like, show me how to defend myself. You know what I mean? Like, and the teacher at that time said, well, there's secret movements in the, the, the form. I'm like, okay, can you show me the, the secret movement instead of showing me the form? But you then, you know, you, you don't want to disrespect the, the teacher. So, you know, you don't say anything, you know, like. Right. I, we did forms up the yin yang, you know, I just, I even at home when I started martial arts, I did it for like two hours, you know, yeah. and it, just to get the form correct and right. And, you know, and after a while it was, it seemed like he just wanted to do forms all the time. And it, I mean, for other type of people, they were just, you know, like, Oh, you know, wait it out and right. see what comes next. And, but, you know, for me, like, I had to move on. And that's another story. I, I injured my back doing forms, unfortunately. And then I had to stop. And then after that, I researched to uh, another martial art after my injury. And it was Jeet Kune Do. And from that point on, that was it. That's awesome. And yes. you've also since uh, been to Hong Kong, which is kind yes. of like a mecca for, you know, anyone who does these kind of Chinese martial arts. So you've been there a couple times. Yes. Um, so uh, what, what, so obviously you probably, I think you went and you, you went to the uh, Bruce Lee exhibit, which mm-hmm. unfortunately is closing this summer. Although, Are they closing this time? I mean, they've yeah. been, they've been open for like, I don't know how many years now. They well, said I think it's supposed to be, it was supposed to be a five year exhibit. And I think right. they extended it a couple of times, but uh, because I was planning a, a Hong Kong trip with my students in August. Oh and, yeah. Right. And I was like, okay, well that's one of the places I'm going to take them. And I just double checked and they're like, Oh, it's closing in July or oh, something boy. like that. I'm like, uh. Because that's that, that, that exhibit is amazing because they have so many of these like rare Bruce Lee artifacts in one place. Right. They don't let you take any photos, but you can see like the books that he had on his wall. They have like the claw. Right. From Enter the Dragon, a bunch of cool stuff. And the documentary that they show there, I think yes. is the best. Absolutely. The documentary, I mean, out of all the documentaries that I've seen, I rate that one out of my top three. 
Yes. I mean, not because, you know, oh, I'm in Hong Kong. Oh, this is, you know, this is great, you know. But, like, when you see this documentary, I'm like, this is actually pretty true. Yeah. I mean, some documentaries are like, you're, like, thinking about, like, is that really true? But then this document, when you watch this documentary, you're like, oh, wow, this is actually pretty good. Yeah, I think with with Bruce Lee documentaries, you either get, like, they do, like, it, like, the old A&E one is, like, very hallmark. It's, like, very, like you know, doesn't rock the boat or do anything. It's like, and any Bruce Lee fan would know what they're saying there. Some of them go like way overboard into like conspiracies about his death. And then others are just like, just trying to pitch a narrative. But what was nice is that they interviewed all the usual suspects, you know, but then there's like, they had all these like friends that he grew up with in Hong Kong that you never heard of before telling you these great stories. And um, the, the documentary, you could only see it when you go to this exhibit in Hong Kong. Um, I'm very curious when the exhibit closes, if they're going to release it, because I think, I, I think people should be able to see this documentary. It's like, an, I, I, I think it's really one of the best. They should release it at least when, you know, when it closes or something, because I like, when I saw it twice and yeah. like seeing it the second time, it like, it's still amazing. It's not like yeah. I'm, because there's a lot of documentaries that I like, especially the one from, um, John Little, the A Warrior's, uh, a Warrior's Journey. Yeah. That's the first, first full documentary that I ever watched. And I thought that was pretty good. Right. And when you watch this documentary, you're like, oh, sh- this, is, this is actually, this tops it all. You know, yes. No disrespect to John Little's you know, documentary, but sure. I mean, there's a lot of Bruce Lee's documentaries. Like, you know, they're fairly true. And some of them are like, eh. But then I think there was a documentary about when you talk about, you know, the conspiracy theories about Bruce dying and yeah I think Bruce was supposed to return back like in 1980 or something like that or uh-huh. 83 and then he died of the hands of the Bimak and you're like oh boy <laughs> yeah. Jesus it, it, it's always the case like you know uh, and I think the internet kind of proves that people are like this because hardly someone dies or a world event happens right. where people don't automatically already assume that there's some kind of conspiracy behind it. Right. So mm-hmm. nothing ever happens just cause it happens anymore, regardless of like the most natural act of God could happen. And someone is going to say, this is a conspiracy from so-and-so. And I think this is like us, I think the internet is just kind of showing us that humans have kind of always been this way because I think it's very difficult for people to accept that somebody, you know, at the peak of his fame, at the peak of his prowess at 32 would essentially die from, you know, some kind of strange, let's just say a medical reason, right? Something that could have afflicted anybody at that age. And there naturally has to be some kind of like, you know, no, it yeah. was the triads. It was this, it was that. And, and, you know, you see the same stuff with Elvis. You see the same stuff with you Tupac, know, yeah. Yeah, Tupac, the moon landing, everything. Yeah. Like, you know, everything is, is kind of like that. And I think to a certain degree, it's kind of a way that people um, deal with grief a little bit you know because people don't want to feel that somebody that they love so much could so easily just kind of leave us right, right. yeah i think of like also like kobe bryant or something like that yeah right? yeah uh, and yeah it's just it's sometimes like what what i like the conspiracy like the conspiracy uh conspiracy theories on on bruce like especially when he's like oh how did he die i'm like i'm like what why can't somebody just you know just the lack of better words why can't somebody just die you know, I mean, they, they pass away, people pass away, it happens, you know, and then you're right, it, it's people, you know, that's how they deal with it. He's like, they see Bruce Lee as like, like uh, an icon, you know, yeah. that no one can ever die, you know. I mean, we see Bruce still at 32, you know, we don't see this guy ever aging, you know, there's tons of pictures of Bruce, you know, photoshopping, photoshopped like at 70, or yeah. 80 years old. And like, you can never see Bruce like that, yeah. you know, and then like, then you think like, okay, so let, let's, let's take that. Like if, if Bruce stopped making movies like with Enter the Dragon, you know, and he's, let's say he still lived, right, yeah. to this point, you know, and then everybody's going to still look at Bruce at, at 32 with all his movies. Yeah. You know, they're not going to think about, oh, yeah, Bruce is 70 years old, 70 years old. Oh, they're going to see Bruce at 32 because it's, it's very – he's timeless, you know, yeah. but then – just to see him or just to hear, or, you know, just to say, oh, he passed away. I'm like, why did he, you know, like, how did he pass away? I'm like, well, you know, what happens, you know? I yeah. mean, yeah, it's a, it's a young age, you know, 
unfortunately some people you know pass away or they die in a car crash but you know yeah sean Sean and i talked about this uh i think on one of the latest episodes where you know sometimes it just seems that certain people i mean not not for obviously for their family and their loved ones and for the love of their you know fans and stuff but like in terms of like their legacy some people pass away at this like peak time where they're gonna forever be immortalized like Uh in their peak you know what i mean like i always make a joke it's it it could be a a a bit macabre but it's like elvis died 10 years too late Like, you know, like, I, I, I don't know how many Elvis fans we have out there, right? That's but it's funny. like, you know, if Elvis had just died 10 years earlier, right. he was fully at his peak and you didn't see him decline. Right. You didn't see, him, you didn't see fat Elvis. You didn't see him drunk <laughs> on stage forgetting the lyrics. He would have been, I mean, and, and Elvis is, you know, undoubtedly he's the king. He's one of the right. most iconic ever, right? Right. I think had he died 10 years earlier, he'd be a little bit bigger <laughs> still because you couldn't make fat Elvis jokes. You wouldn't have a bunch of people in Vegas doing fat Elvis. Yeah. Right. Of course. So of it's course. like, you know, of course we would assume that Bruce Lee would continue making films. Maybe he would then progress on to being a producer or director. I mean, for sure he would evolve what he was doing. Right. And mm-hmm. as a martial artist or whatever. Right. And, and you know, that he would still keep fit, but you don't know what would have happened. <laughs> though, right. And so, you know, I was just like, I was thinking sometimes like when I watch a UFC, right. And then they pan the audience and you see, cause they had like a Robert Downey Jr. Was at a UFC. Oh yeah. That's all that. Yep. Threw up some Wing Chun hands and did a video uh, about it on the Kung Fu Genius channel. And I was just thinking, no, Bruce Lee was still alive. I could totally see he's like in the audience at a UFC and he'd be like one of these old celebrities that the yeah. camera pans on. Right? right. And, and there's something that would be still sweet to see him around. And then there's another thing, but he will always be that guy. Yeah. And that will never yep. change. And of course, I there's so much I would give up to have a conversation with him face to face for him to still be here for right. it, for for what happened not to happen. But it's you have to kind of take things as they are. And Bruce Lee is immortal. I mean, look, people. It's always this: oh, who would win in a fight? Bruce Lee, Muhammad Ali. What if Bruce Lee fought in MMA? But the thing is, people are asking that question because he has this status, right? And that can never be taken away. And and the, to think that he created that in 32 years where he didn't really see that much financial success until mm-hmm. the very tail end of his life and most of it after his death. Right. And, and yet still, you know, how many years later we're talking about him, we're debating about him. We're talking about his notes. We're yep. talking about little, we remember last year that clip came out where he's on the set of green Hornet with, the Oh yeah. Girls, and it's like, like I lost my shit. Cause it was like, three or two minutes of Bruce Lee I had not seen before. As, and you're like, like, where did this come from? And then you're thinking, is there more? It's like, why did sure, this come up? For sure. and, and I'm like, I'm searching and searching. I'm like, there has to be more. I mean, that, yeah. that interview can't be that short. Right. You know, and then, I'm, and I'm, and then that also makes you think, I'm like, maybe there might be other interviews with yeah. other people out there. And it's just locked up somewhere or someone forgot about it. That's- you know you know, was frustrating for me because you know he gave those interviews in Hong Kong where you see mm-hmm. like, you see some clips like where he's kicking the boards and stuff. Yes. Like what he did with uh, Robert Choi, who, who you've met before, which I'm nice so guy. jealous. <laughs> you haven't met him yet? I have not met him. I mean oh, like, nice guy. yeah, I yeah. mean, I know, the thing is I know people who know him, but I always feel really weird going like, Hey, uh, can you like, in, can you ask him to come and meet me? Like I always, I, I hate, I have, I luckily I have so many connections in Hong Kong. Right. But I'm very hesitant because I, I just don't like to be that guy. Like, Hey, can I come? I want to meet. <laughs> like, I just, <laughs> like, it's just, I just feel like I can't, I can't be that guy. We, we were doing some sort of a documentary. Um, and, uh, my Sifu was actually asking around who, uh, you know, just, and, and it was just like more of like, Hey, you know, we're coming, we're going, to, we're coming to Hong Kong. And we were wondering, you know, if it's okay that we can interview you for, and he said, yeah. And then it's the same thing too. Uh, when we went to the Bruce Lee, um, uh, the Bruce Lee club over yeah. in, on, on Nathan. Oh yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Now, now, now that's close. W, yeah. W Wong, right? Yeah. And I just, it, it was actually Robert's idea. He said, yeah. why don't you text him? Like, 
okay. And I was only friends with him on, on Facebook. So I texted him. He said, yeah, come by. And then that's what happened. Yeah. But like with, with Robert, like we, we try to, ask, well, my teacher was trying to ask him uh, particular questions, you know, like he brought pictures, you know, oh, this is when you picked them up at the airport and stuff like that. And hey, he would, he would answer all the questions. And he told us his favorite memory of Bruce is when he's, he popped out of the cake at the oh, yeah. Uh, yeah at the anniversary i think it's a I've golden seen, harvest event yeah 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 and then he said that that was it was his great memory of bruce yeah and, and he has two restaurants he has like a bakery right and i believe he has another type of uh, other restaurant in another area good food yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's so great when you can find these old guys who are connected to Bruce Lee or kind of oh, yeah. Yip Man and they, they still, they're really clear and they can still tell you stuff and they have a good recollection. Wait, 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 wait. Yip Man, right? Not IP Man? IP Man. <laughs> <laughs> well, IP Man is a, uh, is, is a character in the, a, a bunch of movies. It's, he's a fictional character and right. Yip Man was, was a, a real life guy. A real life guy. <laughs> so, yeah, because for example, um, do you know um, Lao Wing, Tony Lao, who's in a bunch of Bruce Lee movies, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He's in Enter the Dragon. He, he gets beat up by uh, John Saxon in that one scene, and then but he's like the big boss's son who Bruce Lee kills with that mm -hmm. punch, and then he's like one of the waiters in Way of the Dragon. So it's like in one movie he's a villain, another movie's a friend, another movie's an inconsequential mm -hmm. guy. Well, um, he uh, you know obviously he knew Bruce Lee very well, and uh, one of my friends. So there's a new uh, documentary coming out about Bruce Lee that was done by ESPN. Yes, I haven't it's seen it yet. Water. What was that? I think it's B Water or something like that. Yeah, I don't know if yeah. it's out yet. I haven't seen it yet. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't think so. Yeah, I, so, I, I would know. <laughs> yeah, so I one of my uh, one of my friends. Uh, uh, she is a um, she's a film student in London. She graduated and she actually was working on that documentary, and right. she contacted me because of my uh, Yip Man documentary project that I'm working on, mm -hmm. and she asked me a bunch of questions. She's from Hong Kong, right? And, right. and it was funny because she was asking me for like some connections about the Bruce Lee stuff. And then uh, I, it came up that she had interviewed uh, Lao Wing, Tony Lao. Oh, cool. And I was like, oh, Griggs, I have, we have some mutual friends. And like, I, I always wanted to talk to him because there's a very famous story about Bruce Lee fighting an actor named Lao Dai Chun in Hong Kong. This actor Lao Dai Chun had kind yeah. of taunted Bruce Lee in the, uh, in the press. Right. And I didn't think much of it. I mean, you know, as a Bruce Lee fan, you hear people, yo, I heard Bruce Lee got beat up by this guy. Yo, I heard Bruce Lee beat up 40 guys once. And like, there's always some dude in Brooklyn who's got yeah. some Bruce Lee story, which she just made up, right? Yeah. And so you hear like, oh, this guy challenged Bruce Lee or whatever. Normally, uh, I've heard so many of those fake stories. I would just ignore them. Like, I, I would just make a point when somebody said, oh, uh, this guy challenged Bruce Lee. I wouldn't even believe it. Because I'm like, unless I see it, written somewhere right. uh, i'm not going to believe it and then there's a um interview with bruce lee i think it's with alex ben block um, okay. who uh, who did a telephone interview with bruce lee when bruce lee was in hong kong right and i i remember listening to i had heard it many years ago and i'm listening to it and bruce goes you know uh because alex ben block asked him if he's been challenged by other people in hong kong right okay so, yeah like, Hong Kong is a very small place and yeah, yeah, yeah. very easy for people to find me. But, mm -hmm. you know, so far I haven't had to turn the other cheek because no one's come up to me. And, then, and he calls Wong Jack Man a bullshit artist, which I thought was the coolest thing in the world. The fact that some people still thought that that went for, on Wong's side, like, you know, it's kind of like, stop, guys, stop. And so that could go a different way. It's, it's just that we could talk about that for. Yeah, maybe the, maybe that's yeah. our next podcast. We just yeah. talked about that. So, and then he goes, you know, and there's these bullshit artists like Wong Jackman and Lao Tai Chun. And when I heard Bruce Lee mention Lao Tai Chun's name, I go, what? Yeah. And and then so I'm like, oh, so this was a thing. So I'm a total Hong Kong nerd. So I have access to uh, the Hong Kong Public Library. Oh, cool. And they have uh, digitized all of the newspapers printed in Hong Kong from 1912 till today. Now that's pretty good. Yeah, so you can go on this website and put in keywords, it's all in Chinese. You just put in keywords 
and all the articles where these things show up. So I put in like Yip Man and then newspaper articles that came out while Yip Man was still alive. Oh, that's cool. And then I'm like, that's the stuff I want to see, not the stuff with people talk about 30 years later. Yeah. And I put in Bruce Lee and I put in Lao Tai Chun and I saw headlines where he was openly, he was legit challenging Bruce Lee because he had won some kind of boxing championship. And he said that it, he literally said his boxing would crush Bruce Lee's Jeet Kune Do. Okay. And he said that Bruce Lee was afraid to fight him. And it was like, ta- and it was legit. He was really taunting him in the press. And, and then I'm like, I need to research this more because apparently the two of them ended up actually having a fight at the yep. home of Tang Sang, who was yep. Yip Man's student, who's this guy that I'm totally fascinated with, right? Mm-hmm. And the word on the street is Tony Lao, Lao Wing, was there. Yeah. And yeah. so, but he's like very kind of tight. Like sometimes he'll talk openly and he's very kind of tight-lipped. But anyway, when my friend, who's the film, the film student said, she interviewed Tony Lao, I'm like, oh, I'm like, are you going to talk to him again? You need to ask him this question for me, right? That's been like burning in my mind, right? And she goes, well, I don't know. And by the way, you know, Tony Lao's still out there. If he listens to this, I totally apologize. Um, but it is what it is. Um, she asked him some questions and she could tell that maybe his memory was and it's not to say that he's losing his mind i mean we're talking about things that happened like 50 years ago right Right, right. like i mean even if you think about it like try to accurately tell a story of something that happened to you in the 80s and you would tell it and if you could go in a time machine you would see it's probably not at all exactly the way you described it right right only fragments yeah human memory is very and we're influenced by how we've retold the story and what Mm -hmm. other people have said over time so anyway my friend asked tony like what was it like going to bruce lee's funeral because you were very close friends you worked on films it must have been devastating Mm -hmm. and he said i was so devastated by by bruce lee's death I couldn't go to the funeral. Okay. But we have video footage of Tony Lau at Bruce Lee's funeral. He oh, was wow. there. <laughs> In wow. fact, I don't know if you saw that they recently uh, uh, did yeah, like actually, a 4K restoration of his funeral. I think I did see him there. Yeah. He's there. Samuel Hung is there. Everyone is yeah. there. Robert, right. Robert, Robert Chu is there. Everyone is there. And you can oh. see them all fresh-faced. And... Tony Lau was there from the beginning of the uh, funeral all the way to the end. And now you flash forward to 2019 and he was like, I was too sad to go to the funeral. And I don't think that he's losing his mind. I just think he was legitimately sad. And over time, his own narrative changed to the fact that he doesn't even remember the fact that he was wow. at his funeral, which is crazy, right? Wow. Just like that, that totally blew me away. So then I was like, eh. so if I ask him about this fight between Bruce Lee and Lao Tai Chun, is he, is he going to tell break? me just some crazy fish story that didn't really exist, right? You know, like with, with fights like that, especially when people, especially when people think about all these other type of fights that Bruce had, it was like, and and the people telling them uh, are telling the story like yeah i saw bruce fight this i'm like and you're trying to figure out like did this happen it's like oh yeah it happened like does it make years. sense given yeah. what you know about bruce lee right and it's like that you know like, and because i know the one from uh, when she fought in the the racquetball court in seattle yes uh, uh, jesse glover told that story on right. the documentary right right yeah and then it, when you think about it, and then there there's other rumors that he had other fights too. I'm like, then like was there eyewitnesses? And then and then when you think about it, okay, let's say there was an eyewitness, and then 30, 40, 50 years later, you ask him like, yeah, so did Bruce? It's like, ah, uh, you know, I can't remember. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah this and this. And then you think about like, are are you are you sure? Like yeah. you know, it doesn't seem like you're actually really right. You you're sure about this fight? And then it's and it's kind of like well you know you got to take it for what it is yeah you know especially when it comes down to Bruce you know and then yeah. when people talk about Bruce and their fights and, and his fights I was like you have to like all right so this person's telling the story are is this true yeah. you know then you try to find out the research I'm like okay it, let's say it's true did it actually whatever you said happened in this fight was that actually true yeah yes and no you know like. Like again for the Wong Jack fight, some Linda Lee Catalyst, she said it was like three minutes. Yeah. I get uh Wong Jack Man's people said it was like 
30 minutes, 40 minutes. Crazy. And I'm thinking like, <laughs> how can a fight be like 40 Wait minutes? For 30 minutes. I was like, how, how is this happening? And like, yeah. I'm like, okay, you're, I guess in the beginning, you're like, you know, you're doing the rules, you know, oh yeah, no poking in the eye, whatever like that. I think, you know, all this. Yeah, what do they think from the car driving up to the time that they Yeah, left? <laughs> right. By the time that, that, by the time we got into the, the school, it was, yeah. that's when it started. I'm like, you know, I, Things like that. It's like yeah. when you're trying to look into back into that that that, type, that particular history, you're trying to figure out okay, what did they do before they actually restart? Right. You know, did they actually say, oh, the fight started when we walked in the door, or did did the fight started when they actually did the initial bow? If yeah. there was initial bow, and then how so, you know? I, I I did get an answer on my Tang Sang story though. Oh, good, good. So, which is why I'm still I'm still very hot for this because. So I, I met an old Chinese master. His name is Liu Qi Kang. I believe he's since passed away. I met him in 2014. He's okay. one of the founders of the Hong Kong Chinese Martial Arts Association. And he's another uh, old time friend of Bruce Lee's. Right. And I heard that he knew Tang Sang very well. So I asked to be introduced to him and he had had a stroke about 10 years earlier. Oh. And he was a famous master of this uh, style called Yao Kong Moon, which is a very rare style. And I visited his uh, home in Mong Kok, not too far from the, uh, the Bruce Lee club there. And so I, I went to him and his home was also a clinic because he used to do bone setting. And he told me that he knew Bruce Lee very well as a child. And then when Bruce Lee came back to Hong Kong to make those films that he had visited him a couple of times in that very place. I was oh, like, oh, cool. he's like, yeah, he, he used to sit right there on that couch. Like, I was like, wow, like, I'm going to sit, I'm gonna sit over there. <laughs> and, and so I'm, I'm listening, you know, to him. And he was so excited that I came to, because no one visited him at that point. Right. No one knew about him anymore. And then this like, you know, this, uh, yeah, guy comes there and asking him all these questions and I could tell he was so excited, right? right? And so his wife was there and I asked him, I said, uh, uh, Leo Sifu, like, is it true that Bruce Lee had a fight with someone named Lao Tai Chun? And he says, yes. And the Chinese are always very funny because they always give you these like one word answers with no context right. or, or they just give you these kind of like brush off answers and yes. I go, yes, that's is it. it. Yeah, is it true they fight? Yes. Um, what happened? <laughs> how, how do you know? Yeah. I was there. You were, and he says this to me, and I'm just like, he like, what? Draws on the floor, like, you were there? He says, yes. At Tang Sang's home, right? He said, yes. He goes, yes, I was there. And then he goes, it was like, and, and, and then at the moment he said it, his wife turns and says, wait, what, what, was that on the same day that like she mentioned some other event, right? Mm -hmm. And he says, yes. And she goes, you told me you were meeting your friends to go play cards. You didn't say you were gonna go watch a fight. <laughs> and it was like, and you should have seen him. He, he wasn't so expressive because he had a stroke. But right. it was like fifty years later he got caught <laughs> telling his wife that he had gone to meet buddies to go play mahjong or something. But he had actually gone to this famous gangster's home that to watch Bruce Lee fight and Wait. so, like, and it was funny because, you know, like, women are women. Like, they were, she was still kind of salty about <laughs> it, right? And it was like, oh, my God. So I asked him, I said, uh, so what happens? And he says, uh, I, I, I can't talk about it because Bruce Lee's a friend of mine and Lao Tai Chun was also a friend of mine. Uh -huh. and, and so, you know, it, the very old Sivus don't like to kind of drudge up stuff like that, right? Right. Because he's very respectful. And then I'm like, uh, so can you tell me? who won the fight and he says i can't talk about that i go oh man can you tell me who lost the fight <laughs> so i like tried to like press it right and he's like oh no. and then i was with another gentleman um i cannot say who he is okay uh, but he's very senior in the hong kong chinese martial arts world and when we left mm -hmm. he turned to me and he says uh Leo Sivo, of course, is not going to tell you because he was very good friends with Lao Tai Chun. He goes, but uh, actually, I know the story because uh, it's been told to him from someone else who was there. Okay. And he says, uh, Bruce Lee fought him at uh, Tang Sang's home and Tang Sang had a boxing ring in his backyard because uh, uh, Yip Man was training some people to fight full contact, but they needed a boxing ring and Tang Sang had money. So he built a boxing ring in his backyard and the Wing Chun guys would go up there to practice for full contact. They needed to get used to fighting in a ring because they right. weren't used to the ring fighting, right? Right. And it was in this ring 
that Bruce Lee had the fight with Lao Tai Chi in a boxing ring in Fan Leng in the north of Hong Kong. And uh, Tang Sang had arranged it because he was a police chief. He could do it without anyone getting in trouble. Right, right. And so uh, the story was that um, Lao Tai Chi came out in this boxing stance and Bruce gave him one kick. And that was the thing. And I've heard the story from three other people. One was supposedly there and two other were indirect. And everyone says one kick. One kick. Wow. Now, I don't know exactly what kick it was, but they said that Bruce Lee had launched one kick. That Some people said it was the straight side kick. Other people said it was a, a round kick or a hook kick or something like that. Right. I, knowing, I, have a, I have a feeling it was probably the side kick. I have a feeling it was like straight, that straight side right. kick right there. And had hit Lao Tai Chun so hard in the ribs that he dropped. And, wow. and they said that it was so embarrassing for Lao Tai Chun because he, didn't, he was a boxing champion and he didn't even get one punch off on Bruce. And it was the end. And, and the reason why people don't know about the story, and this was also, and also Bolo told this story as well. He says is because Bruce did not want this guy to lose his reputation as an action film actor that he lost mm. in a fight. So he paid Lao Tai Chun some money for his medical bills and he told everyone who was there not to talk about what had happened. And that's the reason why this story had been, because Bruce, in saving this guy's reputation, which just shows you what a badass Bruce Lee was. And I had also heard, uh, I can't remember for life of me that something similar had happened before that Bruce like didn't want someone to lose their reputation after they had like lost some exchange with him or something like that. So that is the best story I have so far. Now my job is to find out whether that is actually exactly how it happened. Um, I don't feel that they were lying to me, but I still want to know more. Right. So it's, I guess it's along, along that path of, you know, if you have like what, there was like three witnesses you said, I don't know how many there were, but right. I know some who were there, but I have a feeling there were a few more people there too. There has to be a kick. There was a kick in, involved. So yeah. that kick was involved then. That's, that actually really tells something about Bruce of how much that he was that type of fighter where, you know, at a snap, you know, at a snap of fingers that he would just get in there. Right. I mean, if it was just one kick and that was it. Yeah. You gotta re you gotta think about like, damn, Bruce did that. Yeah, I mean, and then, I mean, in in a boxing ring, of course, you know, you're gonna do some particular movement, like you know, just throw hands, just right. And no one really actually think about kicking, but you know, I guess in Chinese martial arts, always everybody's always thinking about kicking. Yes, but yes. Then yes. when it comes down to Bruce, I mean, I, I guess when it goes goes back when we're thinking, oh, Bruce is like an icon, and you know. We're, thinking of Bruce as like like a superhero but sure, sure. this Bruce can do it yeah he, he can well, actually really do it the one person who probably would know is Linda because she was in yeah. Hong Kong at that time of course and and at this point she doesn't have any I mean you know she's probably used to people going like oh I heard your husband beat up take but I would really like for someone to go up to her and go like yeah, I, I know a lot of people talk about your husband and who he fought and this right. and that and the other thing, but like I heard a relatively credible story that he had, you know, fought another Hong Kong actor in, in a boxing ring in, in, in someone's home. Right. And like, because like, I'm pretty sure she would have known about it. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's you know, because it's, it's partially tied to Tang Sang, who was a student of Yip Man, which is why I'm fascinated. But it's also like a real Bruce Lee fight story, which yeah. is in and of itself, totally badass. Would love to would love to find out more. So, hey, I think I think that was our time, man. That went by pretty quick. That that actually did. We got to we got to do this again because we got to talk Wong Jack Man. Uh, oh, my we have God. to do a Wong Jack Man episode. Oh, I'll, read, I'll read up a little bit and I would really love to hear what you have to say about that. I have a lot to say about that. Awesome. 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 Cool. Hey, man, this was a lot of fun. I look forward to doing it again. Oh, you absolutely. Thank you for having and, me. And also for people who might be interested in, uh, you know, training with you at your Jeet Kune Do school, oh. how can they get in contact with you? Uh, they can uh, go to my website, www.fistofinterception.com. Um, I'm on Instagram too, uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook, but... The Jersey the, Monk. 
<laughs> well, there's two actually. Oh, I keep. Do you have a separate one for? I have a separate. Yeah, I got to so scratch what I just said, guys. <laughs> Go to the the Fist of Interception <laughs> Institute. Don't bug him on his personal. <laughs> I mean, there, there, there's there's a lot of people that you know, like I, it's kind of like uh, a secret identity, and then you have like you know just the the main type of right, right. Then, it's the same so, with me with yeah. my with my Buster accounts out there. That's that's my private stuff. Yeah, private stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, like on, on like the like what we were going back before. That's that's how we met on Twitter. So that's yeah. why. Whenever you're not tweeting, I got to do all the work. And when, <laughs> and when you're on, I, you know, so. But, yes, uh, absolutely, man. Well, hey, man, this was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Be definitely. safe. And uh, we'll talk soon, man. All right. Thank you for having me. All right. Take care. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to our latest episode. Please help us get the word out there by sharing this and other episodes on your favorite social media platforms. If you're enjoying the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast, there are many ways in which you can support it. Go to dudesofkungfu.com slash support to find out how you can help your favorite Kung Fu podcast. We are currently using Patreon to automate great benefits to those who support the podcast. As a supporter of the Dudes, you'll get early access to episodes, as well as a number of other benefits based on your donation level. This includes in-depth topic lectures and even monthly live video conferences with the Dudes. Again, go to dudesofkungfu.com slash support to find out more about that. As always, you can help support us in small ways as well. Give us a like at the Dudes of Kung Fu Facebook page and share links to episodes. If Twitter is your preferred social media outlet, you can follow the Dudes of Kung Fu there as well. Both Big Sean Madigan and yours truly are on Twitter too. Dudes of Kung Fu is now also on Instagram, so tag it along with the hashtag Dudes of Kung Fu whenever you post something related to the podcast. A great way to support the Dudes is to rate and review it on either the iTunes or Android app stores. The written reviews are immensely more helpful than just giving us a five-star rating. If you have any suggestions for topics or guests, please write us at the Dudes of Kung Fu Facebook page. Please understand that neither Sean nor I can guarantee a response, but we will consider any serious suggestions. And finally, I ask that you help spread an open dialogue with other practitioners of martial arts. Chinese Kung Fu in particular has long since suffered from caustic political discourse, which can only change with you. Remember, the person you wholeheartedly disagree with doesn't love martial arts any less than you do. Take care, and thank you for supporting the Dudes of Kung Fu!